Welcome to the Relationship Diversity Podcast, where we celebrate, question, and explore all aspects of relationship structure diversity, from soloamory to monogamy to polyamory and everything in between, because every relationship is as unique as you are. We'll bust through societal programming to break open and dissect everything we thought we knew about relationships, to ask the challenging but transformational questions, who am I and what do I really want in my relationships? I'm your guide, Carrie Jaroslow, best-selling author, speaker, intuitive, and coach. Join me as we reimagine all that our most intimate relationships can become. I am the child of what became a dishonest marriage. My father either didn't know how to talk about his feelings or was scared to communicate what was really going on within him when he was in a monogamous relationship with my mother. Maybe my mom wasn't in the physical space to hear him. She did have four kids to take care of. Or possibly she wasn't in the emotional space to meet him there and talk about her own needs. I'm not really sure where the initial breakdown occurred. But I often wonder that if the idea of a consensual non-monogamous relationship was an option, would our lives had turned out any differently? And while I'm a firm believer in the idea that everything works out for the best, which oftentimes takes time and space to fully understand why this is, I still wonder what could have happened. 40 years later, monogamy is still the mainstream relationship structure. And unless you broaden your awareness or possess a heightened level of curiosity about relationships, this may be all you've ever known. I remember reading a startling statistic about how around 65% of relationships are non-monogamous. Here's where it got interesting. The 65% included both ethical non-monogamy and non-ethical non-monogamy. In other words, infidelity. I had never heard of anything other than monogamy until 2004 after my divorce. However, did you know that modern monogamy has only been practiced for about a thousand years? So in the context of humanity's history, it's a relatively new structure. There are varying opinions on why monogamy became mainstream, ranging from protection from sexually transmitted diseases to controlling family wealth to religious agendas. A great book to read if you're wanting more of this historical and anthropological reference is Sex at Dawn, The Prehistoric Origins of Modern Sexuality by Christopher Ryan and Casilda Jetha. I'll post a link to this book in the show notes. Having the awareness that there are other options and ways to be in relationship with others could open a whole new world for you. Answering questions you may have just kept hidden for a long time. And that's what we'll begin to explore in this episode as we take a deeper look into different options available to you other than monogamy when designing your intimate relationships with others. The umbrella term for these kind of structures is ethical non-monogamy or consensual non-monogamy. The definition I'll be using for ethical non-monogamy is a non-monogamous relationship between consenting people based in open communication, honesty, respect, and compassion, where all relationships are known by all people involved. And there's so much variation within the ethical non-monogamous structure. 
This could be, for example, open relationships, which usually refers to a sexual or physical relationship outside of a primary relationship between two people. Polyamory, an emotionally loving relationship with more than one other person. Swinging, a couple who engages together in sexual experiences with others. Thruples or quads, relationships involving three or four people of equal status in the relationship. And we'll look at these more in later episodes. The most important part of ethical non-monogamy and these substructures is that it's consensual between all participants. It's out in the open, discussed, agreed upon, and experienced with honesty and awareness of all involved. And this can be to varying degrees as agreed upon by those involved. So let's look at some potential reasons why a person would choose ethical non-monogamy. One is it's how they identify. For some people, monogamy has never made sense. They have tried and failed to fit themselves into a monogamous structure, and they always seem to be naturally drawn to other people and experiences. There are so many societal judgments about this, and I feel that for people who naturally orient as non-monogamous, the real challenge for them is when they deny their true desires and attempt to be something they're not. This can lead to the cheating and dishonesty that sometimes happens in a monogamous relationship. Another one is they either want to explore their sexual orientation or are attracted to more than one gender. Ethical non-monogamy gives them the opportunity to acknowledge and fulfill all areas of their identity. They might want to explore their sexual fantasies or ones that their primary partner might not be interested in exploring, or they may have different levels of sexual desire. For example, one person may be asexual and one may have sexual desires. Another is it's how they want to evolve and grow as an individual and as a couple. Ethical non-monogamy challenges them to learn how to process discomfort, communicate more effectively, and work through fear. Another one is they don't want to be limited in one relationship. To some people, monogamy is limiting. It limits their ability to experience life in the deepest way possible. Here's one. Some people have different hobbies and interests than their primary partner and chooses to explore them. There are so many roles that we expect a monogamous partner to fill, and if they're unable to fill one or two specific roles, we either sacrifice our desires or throw out the entire relationship. I believe that it's far too much to expect a partner to be your everything. Some people who choose ethical non-monogamy also believe this, and instead of sacrificing their desires, they are able to find fulfillment with other relationships. Some people have a great capacity to intimately love more than one person. There are times when someone falls in love with another person while being in a relationship with a different person. They feel they can love both partners and choose to find a way to openly experience both relationships at the same time. Another reason why someone might explore ethical non-monogamy is that it's their answer to past infidelities and divorces. To some people, engaging in ethical non-monogamy is a solution to these past infidelities. It's a way of claiming their future without being ruled by their past. And the last one is they believe that as a couple, they come together as whole people. 
This is different than the belief that another person can complete them. A way that they choose to express their wholeness is by being able to follow through with an attraction to another person and openly, honestly, chooses to do so in full transparency with their primary partner. Ethical non-monogamy is a way that people are exploring the idea of finding their personal fulfillment in a more realistic way. Instead of expecting one relationship to fulfill every need, and if it doesn't, then ending it, they decide to embrace what's good and fulfilling in one relationship and find other ways to fulfill their other needs with other relationships. Which brings me to the topic of how you can find diversity within an ethically non-monogamous relationship. My main message with this podcast is that every relationship is as unique as you are. Designing your relationships involves being able to communicate your needs to your partner, but this must first start within yourself by identifying and understanding what your needs are and allowing yourself the space to have those needs. Diversity within ethical non-monogamy can look like this. One is choosing to explore being open to other relationship experiences after raising your children. Or opening up your relationship for a finite period of time to explore other connections. Or having intimate experiences together as a couple. Or supporting each other in exploring other relationships, but having clear limitations and boundaries about knowing certain specifics about other relationships. Or being open in your relationship in the beginning and deciding to close it to focus on your growth as a couple. Or not having a primary relationship, having equality amongst all your relationship. Here's one, having complete autonomy to make your own decisions about certain or all areas of your life, or bringing another partner into your relationship, or having other partners and all agreeing to close the unit within a certain group of people, or exploring different sexual desires apart from your primary partner. And this is just scratching the surface of all the varied ways people can relate to each other in a consensual non-monogamous relationship. One point that I want to touch on here is that opening up a relationship because something is fundamentally not working within the primary relationship will only highlight that which is not working. It's kind of like having a child to fix a relationship. It always backfires. So it's important to be really honest with yourself and your partner as to why you want to explore non-monogamy. Because this structure is different than what mainstream society has deemed as an appropriate way to be in relationships, there are many judgments that people throw at it. Some judgments about ethical non-monogamy include being non-monogamous is morally wrong. Religious, cultural, and familial programming says that relationships should only be between two people. There tends to be so much hiding and infidelity, specifically with those people who stand so strongly in their monogamous stance. But for some reason, this seems to be more acceptable. Why is that? Ethical non-monogamy honors and respects the individual and their partner or other partners. And in my perspective, this is quite the opposite of morally wrong. Another is that people who choose ethical non-monogamy just want to sleep around. 
This seems more descriptive of cheating in affairs. And although fulfilling sexual needs can be one of the reasons that people choose non-monogamy, it is only one of many. Another one is those who choose non-monogamy must be unable to go deep in a relationship or they must be scared of commitment. When going into ethical non-monogamy, open communication is absolutely necessary. This requires vulnerability. And vulnerability, when met with loving, open acceptance, actually creates deeper intimacy between two people. Here's another one. Having more than one intimate relationship is greedy. They want their cake and eat it too. This judgment comes from such a scarcity mindset and is a bigger societal wound that infiltrates all aspects of life. The belief that we should suffer in some way and that it makes us better people is limiting and keeps us small. And the last one I'll look at is this. It must just be about the sex or you must not be able to control yourself. As I said above, sexual connection is only one reason why people choose non-monogamy. And when it's out in the open, expressed and talked about, the resistance that a monogamous relationship puts on desire is released. Ethical non-monogamy says that when we let go of the expectation of having to be with one, only one other person, and when it's talked about and agreed by the people that are involved, you can bring more intentionality with your relationship decisions. When something is taboo and kept in the shadows, many times the desire erupts and causes infidelity. So how do we move from having, making, or accepting these judgments to a place of curiosity, understanding, and compassion for those making the decision to explore ethical non-monogamy? First is by asking deeper questions. Be curious with the real desire to understand why someone is choosing an alternative lifestyle such as ethical non-monogamy. When we ask thoughtful, compassionate questions from this space, we stop the whispering behind people's backs, giggling and laughing at something we don't understand. That kind of shaming only comes from someone who is unconscious as to what's going on within them and is scared to look within themselves. If you are or have been one of those people who do, who do that, and we're all guilty of it at some point in our lives, ask yourself why you feel the need to do that. What does that get you? Is it keeping you safe? If so, safe from what? And second is looking at what you can learn from those practicing ethical non-monogamy. To feel fulfilled in the structure, those engaging in it must be committed to open communication. I know I say this a lot, but it really is what makes a relationship structure like this feel fulfilling and nourishing. This skill will benefit you with whatever structure you choose. People who choose monogamy often use the feeling of safety in their relationship or marriage to keep them from having heartfelt, honest communication with their partner. They find themselves 20 years into their relationship realizing that they don't really know each other or have hidden their true feelings from each other, harboring resentments and anger. Those engaging in ethical non-monogamy agree to communicate their feelings, all of them the fears, angers, doubts, joys, and more openly with as much compassion as possible. It's scary to be so vulnerable, but it's essential and oftentimes leads partners to deeper, more fulfilling connections. Now, we couldn't talk about ethical non-monogamy without addressing perhaps the biggest question that always comes up regarding this structure. How do you deal with jealousy? 
We'll go into this much deeper in a later episode, but I'll say this. Jealousy, although a very common emotion, is a surface emotion. There's always something underneath the jealousy. And stopping at the surface with, I'm just so jealous, keeps you from exploring and accessing all the valuable knowledge that sits underneath the jealousy. There is a wealth of information about your subconscious beliefs that, if you dug just a little deeper, could unlock that which is keeping you from releasing and healing your most hidden core wounds. Having these kind of conversations, embracing the courage to look within, and taking radical responsibility for your woundedness while visioning your truth is the way we begin to shift our experience in the world and come together in acceptance, compassion, and understanding. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and for staying curious. Thank you for listening to the Relationship Diversity Podcast. Want to learn more about relationship diversity? I've got a free guide I'd love to send you. Go to www.relationshipdiversitypodcast.com to get your sent right to you. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast. You being here and participating in the conversation about relationship diversity is what helps us create a space of inclusivity and acceptance together. The more comfortable and normal it is to acknowledge the vast and varied relating we all do, the faster we'll shift to a paradigm of conscious, intentional, and diverse relationships. New episodes are released every Tuesday and Thursday. Stay connected with me through my website, carriejarislow.com, Instagram, and TikTok. Stay curious. Every relationship is as unique as you are. wondering why you never seem to find lasting fulfillment in your relationships? Or do you create the same kinds of relationship experiences over and over again? Can you never seem to find even one person who you want to explore a relationship with? Have you just given up hope altogether? If this sounds like you, my recent book, Why Do They Always Break Up With Me, is the perfect place to start. The foundation of any relationship, whether intimate or not, is the relationship we have with ourselves. In the book, I lead you through eight clear steps to start or continue your self-exploration journey. You'll learn about the importance of self-acceptance, gratitude, belief shifting, and forgiveness, and given exercises to experience these life-changing concepts. This is the process I use to shift my relationships from continual heartbreak to what they are now, fulfilling, soul-nourishing, compassionate, and loving. It is possible for you. This book can set you on a path to get there. Currently available through Amazon or through the link in the show notes.